I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host. She has the wisdom of Obi-Wan and the confidence of Qui-Gon. It's Lindsay. Uh, Before I take it as a compliment, wisdom of Obi-Wan at what age? Mm, see, that's an interesting question. And these are the questions that I give for you and the listeners to ponder <laughs> and me to have no idea because I didn't think that deep into it. Yeah, because this could be an insult. It, um, I don't know. Well. Let's get into it then, I guess. Let's, let's get into it because we're going to bring that up in this conversation because we are talking about uh, the Obi-Wan-centric book Padawan today. Uh, and this is the most recent uh, non-High Republic YA book that came out. Kind of a, a sleeper in terms of didn't really get a lot of marketing or I don't know if a lot of people have read it, but that's something that we can get into um, just a little later. But... Speaking of High Republic, if you uh, want some more High Republic content, Drew and I did a best and butts of uh, phase one over on the main show. So that was a lot of fun uh, just to be able to look back at phase one and what worked. And they're really the stuff we got to that didn't work or, or, you know, uh, was mostly opportunity. Didn't work as well, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, it was minute stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was a really, really fun show uh, to record. And High Republic is back, so that's cool. And another interesting segue, just because the book we're talking about tonight, you know, you don't have to have read High Republic, obviously, but I think you do get a little bit more out of it if you did. And I did not expect to see High Republic connections at all, let alone in this book. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is not... And honestly, like, so I'm reading Path of Deceit right now, and I did... Even though we're like 150 or 200 years before we were uh, prior, I didn't expect to feel this good coming back to High Republic. Like, I've enjoyed High Republic, but I've said, like, I like the the one-off books a lot better uh, than than I have just the overall High Republic. Uh, I mean, that's comparing, like, gold to less shiny gold. Like, it's not like it's a <laughs> bad thing, but it really, it's become such a staple in the fandom and the conversation that happens in the fandom that it's a lot of fun to like be back in this space. Uh, and, and that was kind of something that surprised me coming back to it was just, it felt like coming home in, in a really interesting way. Yeah, actually I would have to agree. Cause I feel like you and I were, were pretty even with our, not so much our thoughts, but our feelings about the high Republic and, where we got those warm and fuzzies versus what we thought was really interesting. And I think in phase one, you and I both kind of lean more towards the, oh, it's interesting. But to your point, the the coming home, right? The being wrapped in the warm blanket. That's something I didn't expect. I don't know if I'm quite there just yet. I think a lot of that, though, might have to do with the fact that when we got phase one of High Republic, that was all there was. Yeah. Right. We kind of, that kind of came out at a bit of a Star Wars drought. Whereas now I feel like we are not in a, a bad way, but we're over not oversaturated, but we're saturated again, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, yeah. It's raining. We have, you know, Tales. We have Andor. We have all these great new books and stories coming out. And, and it's revitalizing us. So I think for me, it's the, I don't get the warm fuzzy coming home feeling just yet, but it's because 
I'm getting it elsewhere. And part of it is really actually because of this book, Padawan, uh, for a very unique and specific reason that, that I think we'll get into. I think I've noticed a difference with phase two of the High Republic. And I don't know if it's going to become a, a trend throughout the books or if this is just something particular to Path of Deceit. But one of my biggest... I guess gripes with High Republic Phase One was there were so many characters that we didn't get a lot of time with everybody, and uh, it felt like we were supposed to be emotional for some characters, and we weren't necessarily because it was kind of a pick and choose your character that you like kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the Path of Deceit is a lot more intimate in who it follows. Uh, It it doesn't try to do such a big grand um opening that light of the jedi did uh but i do think you also like you said that was it that was all we had like you had to introduce the high republic so phase one had a lot of weight on it so now getting phase two it's almost like it's almost like you know taking the original trilogy for granted like yes we've had it we know it's good like what are the other stories and then getting the prequel trilogy where it's like, Oh, this makes this make so much more sense. And I can't wait to see, I know this connects to, you know, a connects to B, but how is, is something that I really enjoy. So definitely if you're not on the high Republic train already, a cool thing about phase two is like, you don't have to know anything. You can jump in blind and read through phase two and then catch up on phase one later or however you want to do it. So uh, that's going to be really cool. But I feel like we should probably jump into Padawan, though, before this becomes another. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was just about to say, we have a lot to talk about uh, here. So we like to start by giving our rating first. And then after our conversation, we will re-rate the book and see uh, whether our uh, clashing sabers have changed our opinions of it. So I'm going to go ahead and start this one uh, because this book was hard to rate for me because... I, I really loved the book and I had a great time reading it, but I also didn't feel like it did a lot. Okay. And so I was kind of wavering. So I ended up going with a three out of five uh, because of that kind of push and pull. Okay. So I'm, I'm really excited to chat a little bit more about this because I knew going into this episode that this is going to be a time where more so than usual, especially as of late, you know, coming off of like Shadow of the Sith, um, this is one that I knew you would have the ability to sway my opinion a little bit more in either direction because I went into this book with a bias. And I went into this book where it really had to be an uphill battle for me. Um, It it had a lot to prove, right? Because when we think why I got into Star Wars when I was nine years old, it's because of the Apprentice uh, book series when Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan was this age and he was a Padawan working with Qui-Gon. Those are really the heart and soul of Star Wars to me. And I was worried that this was going to essentially just retcon everything, both plot-wise and thematically, and just reinvent it. Uh, So that was a really big concern for me. But we'll get into it in a little bit. But even with that in mind, that is why I know I have a bias with this book. I would still give it, or maybe because of that, I would give it a 4 out of 5. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I was very surprised. That is not the direction I was expecting you to go after all no, of that No, no, I, I really was expecting, you know, when, when this book was announced, when I, when I picked it up for the first time, when, when all of that was going on, I really did have to check myself and remind myself to be open-minded, and I kind of expected to be on this episode tonight saying, yeah, you know, two out of five, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't what I grew up with. It took everything away. And I thought it would kind of make me eat my own words of everyone who didn't like, you know, <laughs> Force Awakens or yeah. any of the new stuff or, or even Phantom Menace because, you know, oh, this isn't what I grew up with. I was like, oh man, I'm about to be one of those people. Um, but really, really and truly this, I thought did a great job of holding true to Obi-Wan's real spirit Mm -hmm. that I was familiar with at this age, 
holding true to a lot of his insecurities and struggles, showing how he overcame that. And it still did it, in my opinion, in an interesting way that kind of, not so much action-packed, but it it had a bit of like a, a mystery element to it that I really liked. So it kept me on the edge of my seat there, but then also had that, you know, grasp for me of, hey, we're going to learn a little bit about the Force, but oddly enough, not through the Force. Yeah, that was a really interesting approach to take there of having the power, which are the blue orbs that, you know, they can digest to give, uh, you know, the abilities uh, to, to jump and run fast and stuff and survive the planet. And... Honestly, when we we got to the point where we got the blue orbs and we were still thinking that was the force, I was like, dude, this is going to be like the Salamari things in Heir to the Empire that I just hate. I was expecting that too, to be honest. I really was. So, I, I, I mean, I loved that it was because of the balance of the the planet because I just kept going to that Obi-Wan quote in Phantom Menace of the Naboo and the Gungans having a symbi- symbiotic relationship. And this is where he learns that. And that, to me, was the greatest strength of this book, is this is where Obi-Wan establishes a lot of the traits and the approaches um, that he will take on throughout his life. And one of the reasons why, even though it did end well, or didn't end well, rather, that Anakin and Obi-Wan were the right pair for each other, because I do think that Obi-Wan understood a lot more about Anakin than he was really opening up to. Uh, and, And to me, that was just really, really cool. And it did it in a way where it's kind of like Solo, um... I think a lot of the ways that Solo introduces things that Han gets can be like are are really good. The way he meets Chewie, uh, the way he got you know his uh, DL forty four, all of those things are really really cool, and they're not in your face about it. They're not. Hey, look! This is when he made the Kessel Run. It's just like the Kessel Run works for the story that they're trying to tell. And it was kind of the same here. You get things like, uh, you know, him seeing Dooku walking in the halls and, you know, you get that allusion to their eventual meeting. You get him meeting Dex. You get all of these things uh, that really shape him. And yet none of it feels like this is just going to be like a grocery list of all the things that Obi-Wan can do well in the movies later on. Right. Cause it wasn't like you went into it thinking, Oh, I need this checklist. You know, in, in mm-hmm. solo, we had that checklist, but honestly it almost did the reverse. There's one part specifically that sticks out because I, I really had like that laugh out loud moment, but he's talking about, you know, if he were to ever fall in love. Right. Oh, and yeah, yeah, what yeah. kind of, yeah, and he, and he starts in with a no, 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 you know, too close to a politician. I could, I need someone who, who would be sweet and encouraging and want to challenge me. And I got, I got such a chuckle from that. You know, it's almost like the anti checklist items that they went with. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I don't read, you know, the, the synopses of the books or anything anymore because I'm, going to read them so I like going on that journey and I honestly thought like this potentially at the beginning was going to be where he he met Satine so I was kind of like mm, that would have been really really cool but um this story I kind of I like though I think if anything we might get that in like a, a Tales kind of format yeah yeah uh after after getting Tales of the Jedi I think I would want it there also uh and and this story needed to be Obi-Wan on his own because he is, Qui-Gon is trying to teach him, but Obi-Wan is so dang stubborn and inflexible in what he views a Jedi should be uh, and, and comparing himself to others that he's not able to see that until he stops doing that comparing and he starts just 
trusting what his his teacher taught him and he realizes oh this is not just about the forms it's about so much more and i loved getting to see that development because it goes to one of our favorite books master and apprentice like it yes. so insanely well with that and even in that book you know they're kind of having problems so i like that it doesn't all get sorted out and it's all hunky-dory like they're still gonna have to work for it and even master and apprentice says they're still gonna have to work for it yeah um, but you know it's it's so funny you say that because that was something the first like oh, man what is it maybe like 30 pages i was thinking because i was i don't know about you i was shocked how early him and qui-gon kind of got like separated if you will that was that was truly shocking to me. And I thought we would have more time with the two of them together. But the first 30 pages or so, I kept thinking the whole time. I'm like, man, it is so weird knowing that, like, Master and Apprentice, they're still struggling with this, but but it's better. And I kind of had the thought in the back of my mind the whole time. And then they got separated so early. I was like, oh, this book is not the story that I think it, I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, and... I expected Qui-Gon to show up and they go on the the little trip together and stuff. But I like, again, the brashness of Obi-Wan to go, you know what? I'm going to do it myself because that's eventually what happens with Anakin is Anakin goes, you know what? I do it myself. I mean, I think the, the whole thing is so interesting because he the entire time he's alone is really struggling with his place right and is the jedi order you know he he never truly at least not off the top of my mind comes right out and says it but the whole time he's so upset because someone mentions qui-gon might leave the order you know mm -hmm. qui-gon might join the loss and he gets so upset and that's kind of what prompts him to do this only for him to start playing with the same emotions and the same kind of thoughts and it's like he never seemed to even realize the hypocrisy of it well, there's this one quote where he starts to, this shook me, he starts questioning like the Jedi. It's on page 142. It says, what if the Jedi were wrong, though? What if they were just fooling themselves that the Force was guiding them, listening and deciding for themselves what it was saying on what they want on what they wanted to do anyway? What if there really was just power and how you used it? Oh, my God. God, yeah. I had to take a second after that. Because like, Obi-Wan of all people to to be the one to think that. That's something, you know, you expect for Anakin or Ahsoka. Yes. You're like, oh my God, we're getting it from him? It was insane. But see, then you get just a couple pages later on 147, it says he liked having rules now that he thought about it. They gave him something to follow, something to push against. Without rules, checklists, and expectations, he didn't know whether he was making the right choices. And I just love that in that span of five pages, we go from, what if my whole life is a lie to, no, this is what I need to be able to give me the structure to be successful. To me, I just related to that so much because I that happens to me sometimes I'm like what if all of this is for not like why am I doing all of this but then I come back to the other side of yeah but if I wasn't doing this I don't know who I would be and I don't necessarily want to face that aspect of in that possibility in life uh which I mean I I feel like is something that is throughout our lives a common narrative but you don't expect it from obi-wan he's the stalwart of the jedi order he is what a jedi should be you expect that from you know a, a, a quinlan Vos and anakin and ahsoka like these roguish characters not from obi-wan kenobi well i think though too the the you know five page i don't want to say total change of heart or anything but it kind of grounds it a little bit to me because I think it could have been very, very easy to have this this book and this story be all about, you know, here's Obi-Wan, but you never saw this coming from him and have him essentially be a character we don't know. But moments like that, it brings it back where you're just like, oh, yes, this is the character I know. This makes sense. Instead of just doing a whole, you know, the the complete 180 and, and, you know, bad boy turned good or anything like that. But it's like there's there's these grounding elements in it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I I am very intrigued. You know, this came out around Brotherhood and uh, the Obi-Wan series. And you still get these ideas with Obi-Wan throughout where he's continually trying to push for more knowledge and, and to become a better Jedi. But he's still so stuck on the Jedi being an order and an organization and not so much the Jedi being an idea. And, you know, his, his facing of the existence of Wayseekers to me is just a testament to that. You know, he says he doesn't think it was allowed anymore. It seemed rooted in defiance of the council, a Jedi pursuing their own independent, uh, their own course, independent of oversight. Surely if they still had Wayseekers, Qui-Gon Jinn would be one, which obviously he would have been. I think that once we found out about Wayseekers, everybody was like, oh, Qui-Gon would be a Wayseeker. But just, you know, getting the dichotomy of this book where obi-wan is really figuring out his place in in the order and how he wants to relate to it versus the obi-wan series where he's doing kind of the the reverse of that where he no longer has the order and he has to figure out how to exist without that is just to think about that journey and the ups and downs that this character has gone through is Honestly, I, I like Obi-Wan after this book and, and the series and all of that added together more than I ever have in my life. Easily, easily. Because I think in this, we also get to see him starting to understand the need to be an independent thinker. You know, there's there's one one part where they're talking about the power and why it, it might not be inherently good that they can steal from this planet, give nothing in return and, and have the, the quote unquote, the power. Right. And he thinks to himself, you know, he could explain the difference between the light side and the dark side. And he can explain how different Jedi have different abilities and, and need to grow different gifts. Realizes, you know, it would just be essentially parroting stuff that he learned from other people and he heard other people say, and he wouldn't really be able to go through and put it in his own terms and in his own words. And I think that realization startled him. It startled me as the reader, but I think that's when he started to, to figure out, you know, I do have to, to learn this on my own and I do have to really be able to believe it in my own words. Yeah. And that's the hard part. And I, I think he believes he has to do that separate of everything that Qui-Gon has taught him. And so at the end with the meditation and going through the forms, you know, he says he could do them forever and he's able to become the great Jedi that we see because Qui-Gon forces him to master the basics to such an extent that he could do them without thought. And that allows his connection to the force to just be pure and in Star Wars, only when that connection is pure are you able to make those right decisions and contemplate those bigger ideas that you're talking about. You know, like we see we see it with Ahsoka. Like she has a pure heart via, you know, having the daughter of Mortis live on in her. Like that's representative of that. And so we see her being able to face these hard concepts and be able to draw the lines where she needs to draw the lines. You know, like Tales of the Jedi made it very clear. She will do what she needs to do to make sure that people, the people around her don't get hurt, even if that puts her at risk. And so I'm really fascinated by, and it's really cool to talk about this book after Tales of the Jedi, because that show did such a great job of showing the progression of the kind of what I'm calling the, the Jedi family tree from Dooku down to Ahsoka because Qui-Gon takes the good parts of Dooku, the questioning, the seeking more knowledge, the faith in the force, the not accepting, uh, just doing what the council orders, but doing what's right. Qui-Gon is able to take that and leave the bad of Dooku off to the side and i think obi-wan is able to do the same and the best parts of anakin are able to take that from obi-wan but 
we see Obi-Wan questioning himself so much in a way that we haven't before. And I think that's, to me, that's what made him unable to really talk and open up with Anakin about all the struggles he was having. Because we see Obi-Wan having those same struggles in this story. He considers leaving the Order. He wants connection and attachment. He thinks about being in love. You know, like we have all these things that really we hadn't seen with Obi-Wan before aside from Satine. We hadn't seen him questioning all of this stuff before. And it just makes it all so much more tragic, which I'm totally here for, but so much more tragic. <laughs> Love me a good heart heartache. Yeah. Um, you used a word, though, decision, that I'm so happy you used because I do think that's a major, major, major point of this story not just as obviously as a coming of age story right it is a young adult of course there's going to be elements of that but even in terms of what it means to go out there and make your mark in the galaxy and there's there's this one quote um where obi-wan is remembering something that qui-gon said and in a training qui-gon says to him sometimes no decision is more dangerous than making the wrong decision. And I think that so much of this is having the, the confidence to actually go into situations, make a choice and carry it through. And that's something that it seems like up to this point, Obi-Wan as a Padawan never really had the option or had the ability to be in that situation, make these independent choices and actually see the results of them. Yeah, because he was Obi-Wan is a character that considers all of the aspects. You know, that's what makes him a great negotiator and makes him somebody who can even though, you know, he obviously played a, a serious role in the Clone Wars, I think the Clone Wars would have been a lot worse if he wasn't there. It would have Yeah. You know? And it just, but it, it all comes back to that core of what Qui-Gon has established, which the forms and the meditation are symbolic of. It's that know your core and don't sacrifice that. And oh, everything yeah. else well, will there's fit the, in. There's the quote in it too. You know, you can always negotiate with others, but you can never negotiate with yourself. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Once you start negotiating with yourself, then you're really just talking yourself out of your own principles. So are they, yeah, that's, that to me was such a, an impactful and standout quote. It says, it, it's fine to negotiate, this is Obi-Wan hearing Qui-Gon in his mind, it's fine to negotiate with o others over something important, but when you begin negotiating with your own conscience, you're trying to justify what you want rather than what the Force wants. Wow. Yeah, and I, I have to say throughout this this conversation too, I'm realizing like obviously it's a book about Obi Wan, but may, and again maybe it's my own bias because Qui Gon was always you know my favorite character when I was little, but for someone who's in maybe like 15 pages of this book, Qui Gon is still somehow like the standout character to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it it definitely and honestly it was more the the dynamic between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan that was a standout for me because their dynamic is very much what Ahsoka and Anakin were, but just things ended differently because of different decisions that the characters made. But like Obi-Wan was forced on Qui-Gon. He did. Qui-Gon didn't really make him seem feel like he was a priority for a long time uh very much in the same way that that anakin uh and ahsoka would be later so you know my my ahsoka i'm happy you like brought that. that up because i thought another really interesting thing about this book that got lost in the shuffle not in a bad way but just you know it, it happens early on um and <laughs> so much happens after it but just learning more about the Padawans' relationships with each other, mm. I think also shed a lot of light on the Order, what it had become, and what happens in the next, you know, 30 years. Because just seeing that, hey, you know, I don't really like you, but we're Jedi, so we're going to pretend. 
And then just also the the gossip of it, right? For other Padawans to go up to Obi-Wan and be like, you're not wanted. You know, it's it's essentially like a little third grader turning to another and being like, you're adopted. It's it's like there's this weird mentality and, and this weird, not competitiveness, but, but what's the word do you think I'm looking it's, for? It's a... A rivalry. Yeah, it's it's contentious almost. Yeah. Well and, But not in, in like a you know, two star athletes one upping and bettering each other. It's like a real there seem to be personality divides in the Jedi Order. And I think that also might be why it became what it did, because they seem to lose sight at this point already of, hey look, we're here to serve the force, you know? Yeah. And did you did you get the connection with, um, I think his name is Bolo or, or whatever at the beginning? The connection? What do you mean? He's in Clone Wars. He when, What episode? He, I can't remember which episode it is in particular, but it's with Grievous and he, uh, he's in the, the electric chains like Obi-Wan is in Attack of the Clones. And then he, Grievous is, uh... Oh shocking him i know what you're talking him. about that's him uh, yeah i just happened to yep. be watching the episodes okay right around so that was pretty cool look at that no that went totally over my head but knowing that whoo yeah i, like, I like that connect, especially because i i think i'm happy that they didn't do this and make it too you know easter eggy but that whole time i'm kind of just like waiting for quinlan Voss to show up you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah and have that interaction and see what they were like when they were young uh, but to my memory, I don't think he's even really mentioned in this story. Mm, not that I can think of. Yeah. But to go back to what you were really talking about before with the dynamics between the Padawans, mm. they being the order, they being the order, want to have this separation and detachment and all of these things. But then they make them grow up in these pods of connection. Like to it's literally the hierarchy of the Jedi order is, is a hypocrisy. It's an oxymoron because Obi-Wan realizes that there's, there's a moment when he is talking or he's thinking about missing the, uh, the rest of the, the Padawans. It's just, it's a standout to me because Obi-Wan says he's contemplating leaving the order and he says his stomach hurt with a pang of guilt two days away from the temple and already imagining what it would be like to abandon all the tenets of Jedi life. But was what this group had really so different from what the Padawan shared? They all lived together, trained together, become like a family. Maybe that's what he was missing. Separated from his friends, watching the other Padawans grow into the Jedi, they would be stuck with him. With ambivalent and possibly even lost Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan felt alone and he shouldn't. That, to me, is not Qui-Gon's fault. Qui-Gon's doing the right thing. The structure of the Order is mm-hmm. messed up there. And mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting thing to consider when you consider the fact that Anik, or, uh, Obi-Wan is going to get Anakin, which is a Padawan who is not going to go through those same connections to the other Jedi. And he's going to become extremely attached to Obi-Wan in particular. I don't know. I don't know what my point is here. To be honest, I just considering that and and what it I means think it's for the just order interesting overall to get more insights into what the temple is, the structure of it, and and why maybe some of these consequences are in place both immediately and in the long term. Yeah, yeah, because that's that is something. Where, you know, the the High Republic did kind of intrigue me pretty, pretty quickly. Because I was shocked for, there's not that much of, of a, a gap, right? You were the one who, it was either you or Zach, you, one of you guys had pointed out, you know, we think, oh, hundreds of years ago, that's so long. But in reality, I think it was you had mentioned, you know, this time gap is essentially going from present day to 1900 America. You know, they Mm -hmm. still had cars. Was it really that different? And that's what kind of got me thinking, like, 
hey, how did we get there where, you know, it's it's the white robe era, you know, and and it seemed like attachment really wasn't that forbidden. <laughs> and, yeah. And all these all these other themes really weren't part of it. Like, how do we go from this in just a hundred years? And now for it to to be, you know, from 120 years now down to not even 100 years, let's be honest, probably closer to like 80 years. Um, how, how did we get here? How did we get to these weird little pods of Padawans? But no one can no one can have attachments. You know, it's, so I think my point and, and your point is just it's always interesting when we get little more tidbits and, and more understanding of the structure like this. It does. It definitely makes it something interesting to delve more into and to consider all of the connections and uh, within you know High Republic to this and stuff like that. But Orla, you know, obviously gets brought in in this story, which yeah. I freaked out, y'all. I, I, I lost and, my mind. Yes, yeah, such a good one. I had to like go back and do a double take when I read that name. I was like, "There's no way." Yeah, but I think the powerful thing is that Obi-Wan feels a connection to her. And that's something that this book helped me realize is Obi-Wan is such a Jedi that he doesn't fit in with the Jedi. Wow. He is so focused on the Force. He is so... I don't want to say stuck on because that makes it seem negative, but dedicated to doing the right thing that he grows beyond what the order will allow him to be in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that limits what he is able to do or, you know, to, to do for Anakin to do for the galaxy. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, you know, here's, here's what I think we also kind of have to bring to, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what my dogs are barking at now. Um, I think we kind of have to bring this question up and there may or may not be an answer right now. This actually could be something where we bring over to the main clashing sabers show and really start to talk about it there. Um, Cause I'm truly not sure what the answer is going to be, but Obi-Wan talks about abilities, right? And he, he brings it up time and time again in terms of, yeah, look, these, these lost boys, you know, Peter Pan and the lost boys that he mm. finds, they have these abilities, you know, run fast, jump high. Um, there's And he, he keeps saying, you know, people, some, he doesn't say this, but we know, like, some people have psychometry, you know, that's one force ability. Other people have the force ability of battle meditation, and maybe the reason why he feels not so much part of this type of Jedi order is because he, at least that I can think of, doesn't seem to have a true clear-cut ability in that way mm. that other Padawans are encouraged to. And, you know, maybe that's why he has trouble meditating. And maybe that's why he's so focused on lightsaber forms because he wants to find that ability. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I, I think if I had to nail down like what his ability would be, it would just be the ability to have patience, which seems like such a small thing. But when you're in the star Wars galaxy and you're working essentially, you know, for the force and, and to do the force's will, having that patience to see how things are going to evolve is not an easy skill. And that gives no. him an ability to see, you know, it, it, it's kind of, it's what Qui-Gon said about Anakin. He can see things before they happen, but just in a less practical sense. Um, but what I've always found is it's those who are limited in aspects you would expect somebody to have for whatever the field may be are the ones who tend to succeed the most, you know, um, because they're, they're stuck with those limits and they have to figure out ways around them. You know, um, like I don't have an education background. When I became a teacher, I had to figure out how to do it on the job and I had no idea what I was doing. And so you, you put up this, kind of ideal of this is what a Jedi should be, this is what a teacher should be, this you know, whatever it may be. 
And as long as you keep trying to shoot for that, you're going to miss it. It's when you go, okay, what can I actually achieve to make a good, a, the best impact that I can and to do the right thing in the right way. And that helps you to, to grow. And that's what Obi-Wan finds out through this story yeah. is the easy answer is not always the right answer. And maybe that's why he feels this connection to who we know, you know, as, as a great Jedi. But I, I mean, I was surprised, though, just to find out how lost in the pages she became, you know, and, mm. and he sees a couple other names. He sees Stellan and whatnot. And it's like he's heard of those names, but he hasn't heard of this. And it's so strange to have just come off of phase one and know who the main players are, you know, and know who saved the galaxy. But for just 100 years later, those names have been lost. But to your point, he feels that connection. Yeah, it, that's another question I have. Like, why are all these names lost? Do, do they go out in like flames? And it's like, we don't talk about we don't talk about the High Republic anymore. Like, oh, makes me excited for High <laughs> Republic. It might as well just be Bruno. We don't <laughs> talk right, about it. Right. Um, no, but in the end, you know, Obi-Wan realizes what his his problem had been. After he's gone through, he has helped them, uh, the, the Lenaharns, reestablish their relationship with the planet, and they've defeated Logrib and all that stuff. He realizes his problem is that he was reaching for the force. The way he says it is reaching for the force to grab hold of it, to cling to it, to wring his own destiny from it. Not unlike the Lenaharns with the power. Uh, in their minds, it was a tool to be wheel- wielded, not a cycle to join. Which, you know, of course, the power is is essentially a metaphor for the force, an allegory for the force here. So if we're, if we're talking about, you know, force abilities and, and how people express it in different ways. Like, I just think that is it for Obi-Wan. He is a part of the cycle. I think if we, we had him in that high Republic chapter where it talks about all the different ways the Jedi hear the force, it would be water. He would be water. Yeah. I think it's just really cool too, though. Not so much that the, the power is an allegory for the force, I think it was such a cool, unique thing for both Obi-Wan and us as the readers and us as the Star Wars fans to learn more about the what the Force is by exploring something that it is not. Yeah, that's so wild being able to do that. Yeah, and like it really did kind of open it up in a whole new way. Obviously, it, it really worked for Obi-Wan, but it worked for me too. Yeah. No, I, th- I think so. And I, I mean... This, to me, made Obi-Wan extremely relatable through things like that. You know, like I I always say I learn about people in life from watching movies and TV shows in the same way that Obi-Wan learns from observing, you know, he learns about the Force and how to have a relationship with it through something that is not the Force. Uh, Just, it's... This somehow managed to be perfectly Obi-Wan while also taking Obi-Wan in a completely new direction that redefined the character for me. Yes. And for a young adult novel, I I think maybe this might've also been one of my biases. We're not in a bad way because we say it all the time. Some of the best Star Wars stories are young adult coming of age novels. You know, most of them, most of them, most, most, most. Um, but like we can go on and on about the the litany of fantastic young adult novels in Star Wars, but essentially they all have that same core theme by design of coming of age and, and really discovering yourself as, you know, a 12 to 18 year old person. And this, I think, just took it a step further because... It was not just who am I, but it was who am I and how does this play into this larger organization? And how does this this essentially impact the entire galaxy because of who I am symbolizes something. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a, a typical coming of age story by any means. No, it's not. And a lot of coming, coming of age stories, the, the characters don't have a direction on what they want to be. And this is the story of them discovering their connection. And that's, 
that's not exactly what he's yeah. going through here. I mean, he's, it's almost the reverse because it's like he his coming of age might be, do I need to leave this? Yeah, yeah. It's like he his purpose is already defined. And th- this is interesting because we don't get this with a lot of other Jedi. You know, they get taken when they're young. They don't really have a lot of choice in what they become as far as we see, you know? And it's a very yeah. rare Jedi-like, uh, you know, an Ahsoka walking away from the Order, a Dooku walking away from the Order that we go, oh, they, they have the agency, but I don't think a lot of them think in those terms. You know, you just, yeah. you, you kind of adjust to the, the life that's provided for you and you do the best you can. And the Jedi are doing, for all their wrongs, and, you know, we, we talk about what the Order did wrong and stuff, the Jedi were doing good in the galaxy. Like, they, they were, they got misguided the the bureaucracy of it all took over over the force but the jedi did good in the galaxy and that shouldn't be you know negated because of what happened in the end and so to see and to know that obi-wan is supposed to be on this path of being a jedi but to see him question it and get very close to that line of maybe i leave yeah. is it it changes how he relates to all the other characters and, and how he relates to the Jedi order, because I don't think in the prequel movies that he is necessarily as much of a stick in the mud as I thought he was for lack of a better term, you know, like, well, here's one other thing to, to keep in mind to make this even better in my opinion is I think it's very easy to say, you know what, do I want to leave this order? Do I want to essentially run away because I'm running to something? He at no point really had a bad plan, right? He wasn't like, oh man, this is so much better, so I want to leave so I can have this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we would have gotten with the Satin story, right? The Do I want to leave because here's this other option? He's not saying at any point, I think I might want to leave because there's this other option. He's saying... I don't know if this is the right path for me. I don't know if I'm I'm meant to do this. I'll figure out something else when needed. But for now, I don't really have any other options, but I'm still going to toy with this idea. Well, and when you think of the the larger narrative, you know, we we've seen Obi-Wan discuss with Anakin about uh Anakin thinking about leaving in the uh Obi-Wan and Anakin comic that came out years ago. That's a great comic mm. if you haven't checked it out. Um, but that's like a little five episode, uh, five episode, five issue one too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a short, quick read. It's really good. But Obi-Wan in the end, I think stays in the order. I think he stays in the order because he believes in it and he believes that it's his path, but in a way he kind of gets stuck in the order because of Anakin. You know, he has the responsibility of training Anakin and Anakin is the chosen one. And then Anakin, uh, feels stuck in the order even though he does have something that he wants more than that and it's just interesting to think about how there was still that disconnect between the two that they were never fully honest with each other until mustafar when obi-wan says i loved you you were a brother to me it just or you were my brother it makes it very, very tragic when you look at this story and what we see about Obi-Wan and how much of Anakin it is. And when you bring in, you know, Ahsoka to the conversation, Ahsoka is able to leave because she didn't have that pressure put on her to stay, to do some amazing thing. She was as special as she is. And and we obviously know that as the audience – in the narrative of the larger galaxy, she was another Jedi. She wasn't the chosen one. She wasn't on the Jedi Council. Like, she was another Jedi. And so she had that more of that agency to be able to go, I can leave because there could be something better out here for me. And I have that choice because I don't have this weight on my back. Where Obi-Wan yeah. and Anakin never really got that option because of their situations. And I think that that leads Obi-Wan and as a teacher myself I relate a lot to this to teaching Anakin the way that Qui-Gon taught him where I think he tries to let Anakin make mistakes but doesn't know how to let the reins off uh without 
the fear of losing control of Anakin and what his mistakes might lead to. And I think looking at my, my own path as, as an educator, you know, the, my students always get better the less that I try to stop them from making mistakes. And, but I've set up parameters to have their back when they do make mistakes. And I don't, I think Obi-Wan was so set on being a Jedi and Jedi in the, in the title, not in the doing the good in the galaxy and everything that he was unable to think outside of that box, which is what Anakin needed because he, he wanted to be a Jedi, but he wanted to be a Jedi to help people. It was about the helping people, not about being a part of the order. Yeah. You know what I want to say too, kind of before we, we wrap anything up, um, I, I gave it a four out of five and it sounds like, you know, I, I think this is the perfect book and I don't, you know, the reason it's not even like a five out of five for me is because yes, in terms of everything this did outstanding, I just think it, when it comes to the, the actual plot and, and what was going on. I did feel like it dragged a little bit, you know, it's, it's what 400 plus pages. I think it could have been done in, you know, 325, 350. That's fair. I think if you're going to have 400 pages, you need more decks. <laughs> I got to say, I saw that name and I was like, oh, let's go. I didn't know that I needed this, but I did. Yeah. That's another one of those organic things. It's like, yeah, that tracks. That yeah. tracks. But. Yeah. If we had if we had four hundred pages and at least a solid like one fifty of those included like Obi Wan and Dex off on an adventure, I'd be here for it. So be it. Uh, so be it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, ev- no book is perfect, and we could nitpick except Shadow and- of the Sith. Mm. <laughs> but sorry we could nitpick no book is perfect um but we could nitpick and you know find little things in this but really to me this is another example of the kind of star wars story that ek johnson talks about writing where the plot isn't important it's about the characters mm-hmm. because it really for you to be able to say and and this is 100% true that Qui-Gon is a main character in the book when he's maybe in yeah. 30 to 50 pages of a 400-page book speaks to that. It's all about the dynamics of the relationships. And now that we're getting High Republic, we've got this story, Brotherhood, um, the Obi-Wan series, Tales of the Jedi. I am just extremely fascinated by all these different dynamics that they're bringing in with in terms of like what Jedi can be, because I think for a long time we were stuck in, in, in the same way that the, the Jedi order was stuck in an idea of this is what the Jedi have to be like. And that, that marker changed. It was Luke and then it was Ahsoka and then it's Qui-Gon. And now we've got all of these different Jedi who are relatable in all of these different ways. And, to me, taking Obi-Wan and writing this book is symbolic of that diversity we're getting with the Jedi Order that I'm really excited to continue exploring because we get who's kind of considered the perfect Jedi by a lot of people, the OG, and we see him questioning everything we've believed him to to be for decades, uh, and yet we are still able to not only accept that, but enjoy that and want more of it and to allow it to help us redefine the character uh in so many ways and to to understand him on such a deeper level to me that's kind of what the standout of this book is is it's just a it's a love letter to to obi-wan obviously but it's really a love letter to what the jedi can be if they allow themselves to be open to what the force has and it's an invitation to other authors to not box themselves into you have to stick a hundred percent with what's on screen and you can't add more outside of that you know just add to what's on the screen no add to the character 
and you'll get a story that is not only worth reading, but is absolutely fantastic. It sounds to me like maybe you uh, want to increase your rating there, buddy. I, I absolutely do. Four out of five. Yes. Easy. Easy. Okay, good. I was I was honest. Like, I, I'm not kidding when I said I went into this really being open-minded and, and thinking, like, if there's any any book that he can sway me one way or another, it's this. And I was kind of afraid that you would sway me down to, like, a two or a three. Um but I'm so happy that that you didn't, and you're you're up there at a four out of five with me. Well, honestly, like I ranked it, you know, at a three out of five, kind of like mm, I've got to be somewhat objective. Like this is totally a book that just like feeds into what Brandon likes about Star Wars. Like, yeah, the character studies and questioning, and uh, the solution is practicing the forms and meditating. Like, come on, bro, that's come like on. it's yeah. it's a layup. It's easy. It's easy for yeah. me to love it. But it, you, even yeah. through this conversation, it's made me realize a lot more about this book that um, I definitely am going to go back and, and revisit when we eventually uh, have a pause in books that we all think yeah. is eventually coming. <laughs> when we're back to the drought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The two-week drought or whatever that we get. But <laughs> no, this book definitely got slept on because it came out at the same time as Brotherhood and Princess and the Scoundrel and even Shadow of the Sith. Uh, and it's not one that I've, I've heard people talk about a lot. But if you haven't checked it out and you've stayed this long, um, hopefully this has encouraged you to do that. Uh, if you... you know, I have to say, this was the most spoiler-free spoiler episode I think we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's just so many ideas. Like, we could have yeah. done an hour of spoilers and an hour of just exploring the ideas in the story. Um, and I think the ideas in the story was definitely the, the right thing yeah. to focus on. That's why our conversation naturally kind of went yeah. that direction. So does that mean you are staying at a four out of five? I'm going to stay at a four out of five right. again, just because I, I think kind of plot wise and story wise, there was room for improvement, but overall great job. Love this book. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those situations where it's like, you have to judge it in comparison to the other books that we've rated, but also on its own merit. Um, so I think it, it gets a little bit higher score of doing what it was trying to do. Um, but yeah, like you said, if you come to the story for plot, this may be a, a little bit of a, a book you might not enjoy as much. But if you are here for exploring connections and ideas about the Force and Obi-Wan and all of that stuff that we've talked about, uh, definitely check this book out and let us know what you think. You can uh, let us know over on Twitter at Clashing Sabers, uh, same for Instagram and TikTok. And we have our Facebook group, which is Star Wars Clashing Sabers. And uh, if you are also a book nerd or you just care about uh, other people, we have a nonprofit <laughs> that uh, you could support by putting Star Wars books into classrooms uh, across the country. And uh, we've been able to support thousands of students uh, thanks to, to our wonderful patrons and people who have supported us in both uh financial ways and just spreading the word uh so that more and more people can find out about what we are doing here so thank you to everybody in that regard Lindsay, any final things to add on before we get out of here um no just other than i highly encourage everyone to other than spread the word or if you can donate obviously um but we really do love any kind of discussions about this like we had mentioned, there's so much going on in Star Wars right now. We love talking about any of it. Uh, so please hop over to Facebook and, and join the discussion or start any discussions that you don't see happening. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of our, our hotbed of where we get people uh, having good conversations like this about Star Wars. It's a great place where uh, people and so open minded. Yeah, yeah. There's just so many people you can have an actual conversation and debate yeah. with, and it's not, uh, you know, arguing over whether you like the sequels or not. It's it's no, I have seen so many different points of views, but so respectful on our yeah. page. I just I, I really do love everyone in our community so much for that. 
Yeah, it's really, really awesome. And they are what makes Clashing Sabers what it is. So we will continue coming out with more episodes of both this show and all our other shows here on the network. So make sure you are subscribed. Go over to iTunes, Spotify, all of those great places and leave us a rating and review so that more people can find us and we can continue these conversations. And uh, until next time, just remember, keep reading, keep writing, but whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers Network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?